Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah, so without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat yes. by a creative and political activist who hosts Beyond the Pale on WBAI in New York. A must listen these days. Mm-hmm. Always a must listen, but especially of late. Uh, is a caucus member of Jews for Racial and Economic Justice, co-founder of its electoral arm, The Jewish Vote. Please welcome back to the show, Raphael Shimano! Hello, 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 hello. Glad to be back. Uh, yeah, it's good to have you, man. Good what's up, Raph? You. How you doing, man? It's good, um, you know, considering gestures to the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> doing okay. But uh, trying to... It's it's so weird. It's like, I think a lot of people feel this, but like when the world is like this, you're supposed to sometimes lock it out and do your job job. Mm-hmm. And it just seems really uh, challenging <laughs> to get into normal modes, like doing laundry while well you should be in the streets in what feels like all the time right now but yeah 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 you've been in these streets recently arrested and for for your work trying to get chuck schumer to help bring about a ceasefire yeah and and to yeah. convince his niece to stop acting and stop comedy <laughs> Amy Schumer. Yeah. that's the first Amy schumer's social media <laughs> most. oof yeah, the, the yeah, watching the social media masks sl- slip 
on so yeah. Oh, yeah. Camino's like, yeah. whoa, 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 <laughs> huh. whoa. All right. Well, we're going to get into all of that, plenty more. But first, we do like to get to know you a little bit better by asking you, what is something from your search history that's hmm. relevant about who you are? I don't know. There's like, uh, the thing I always do, and it's probably always the last thing, is always, I, I'm a bad speller. So it's every mm-hmm. random word to just get the Google autocorrect and then uh, use that. It's a really boring last search term, but it's what I need. I, I That's my, my lifesaver over there. What's uh, what's the, what word are you getting hung up on? Uh, one is always like, so now I developed a, a pneumatic device to remember this one, principal versus principal pal. Oh, and I yeah. realized like, you know, the principal of the school wants to be your pal. Right. Yeah. So it's but don't trust that motherfucker. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> but you just picture the principal of the school turning his ba- his baseball cap around backwards. Hey, Raph. Hey, Raph. I want to talk to you. Yeah, Raph. I want to talk to you about some of your Instagram posts, my man. Come on into my office, my dude. <laughs> there you go. Oh my God, now everyone's exactly gonna know how to so how to spell that from now on. Yeah, that's like yeah. I always get, like thing, same thing with like capital, like a capital versus a capital building. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't still know see the that. difference. Well, I still see Hit that me. one get through like in like established, like, I guess at this quote unquote outlets for journalism. And I'm like, <laughs> you can't fuck that up now. Yeah, uh, I, I certainly I, can. Can you tell me how you keep it straight? Because this principal shit is going to save my ass every time. I, <laughs> I don't right, know. One of I those mean, words. I just the toll toll. OL is always the building, you know, that's okay. how because oh, for whom can, the bell tolls. Right. Yeah. Sure. And I guess Capital. the building's round, like an O, you could do that. That's a... Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. All but right. I think I only remembered it because I only saw Capital written as a kid Capital. first. And then when that new one, hey, Capital. Capital. <laughs> it's like Method Now. Yeah. yeah. Like Cap to Cal. Like, you misspelled it. How's it over here? <laughs> so I, the, I used to get desert and dessert mixed up. And oh, then yeah. a girl I was dating like well you always want more dessert and dessert has two s's wow (laughs) nobody wants more desert yeah so one s so there you go we just we just spun off a new podcast yeah yeah there you go Uh, also (laughs) roll uh when you're when something is rolling uh two l's you know it's the l's get on a roll yeah so that's you know, and this this could be the whole show. <laughs> Matthew uh, McConaughey, McCon August Hay. What are you Whoa. doing? There it is. Yeah. Well, All right. What are you doing to write Matthew McConaughey so often? That we were doing it. There was a, a run. There was like a, oh, when he was talking <laughs> when about he was fucking thinking about running. running for office. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and we were fully in support of it. And so we had headlines <laughs> such as, why not now? McConaughey, why not now? Yeah. McConaughey. Yeah. McConaughey, how about this handsome fella? <laughs> exactly. I do like to watch yeah. his scene in Wolf of Wall Street on a somewhat regular basis. The, the vocal warm up right into him just fully embodying everybody I know who has ever worked on Wall Street. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's amazing. Patron saint yeah. of Wall Street bros. Yeah. What is something you think is overrated? Because it's spooky movie season, I think Ari Aster as a filmmaker is a bit overrated. Ooh, okay. he's the uh, Midsommar? Midsommar, Hereditary, and then the one that came out most recently, 
Bo, Bo is, is afraid. afraid. Didn't see that one. I think that he, let me clarify. I think he is good at making a horror movie that makes me feel very scared and unsettled. Because mm. I saw both Midsommar and Hereditary in theaters, and they were effective horror movies in that I felt miserable and scared <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, it's I not don't... enough to just be scared. You want to feel worse, just like bad in general. Right. Like yeah. you've got a flu or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Full body aches. I have an emotional... I left... Mid, uh, no, I left Hereditary with like a migraine headache because I was just so tense and like right. just feeling Hell so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he's a good storyteller. I think he's a good director and I think he gets good performances. And I know I think he's like good at give. I guess maybe is he overrated? I don't know. I just think he's a, <laughs> I don't like his screenplays. Like I think he's not a yeah. good storyteller. I think they're kind of sloppy. I think that he doesn't know how to write women really at all. Like, you know, there's, and he, like his treatment of mental health and mental illness is really not good. Anyway. It's it's really like, I think there's a lot of filmmakers like that now who are, they have all the power and the thing they choose to do with that power is to just like, be like, I'm going to do my own little stories. And they would be like so much better off just, you know, finding finding other people's stories to tell. Yeah, or like, I don't know, send your draft to someone and get some <laughs> notes. <laughs> well, yeah. he doesn't need them because Mar- I saw that thing Martin Scorsese's like the pacing from Killers of the Flower Moon is like inspired by Midsommar and he's like, Ari Aster's the fucking goat. And I'm like, I wonder what that means for this movie. Marty. Oh yeah, this guy's never gonna not make his own screenplays. After that one. <laughs> After yeah. this, yeah, yeah, you're, you're goodbye to any but chance. See, but like Scorsese, Spielberg, Kubrick, like those people all made other people's screenplays. Like those, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you can still be a good filmmaker and not just write bad screenplays and make your Definitely. own screenplays. Like the two or however many scripts that Steven Spielberg wrote are like not very good. He's a far better director <laughs> than he is right. a screenwriter. So. <laughs> What are his... I actually didn't even know the... Oh, let me look it up here. I used to know this, but... AI, I think. Oh, AI was a collaboration with Kubrick, which also, yeah, like maybe... Yeah, it's by Spielberg and then the story by Ian Watson. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. That's written and directed by Spielberg. Oh, and he wrote The Fablemans, which tracks because it's like pretty autobiographical, autobiographical. but it makes sense. I like didn't like that movie very much. And then Goonies is Chris Columbus based on a story by Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I yeah. will. I will give him that one. I think Poltergeist. Pretty good. Uh, but that's also three people writing with a story by Spielberg. Yeah. I didn't realize until very recently that Richard Donner made Goonies, like directed Goonies. I always thought it was mm. Christopher Columbus because he wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Richard Donner, like, really was responsible for my entire childhood with, like, Lethal Superman, Weapon Goonies, and, and Lethal Weapon, <laughs> right. which I saw way too young. I was like, those are, uh, like, my three favorite movies, dog. <laughs> my three favorite like, movies, friends? dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, those hit pretty, pretty hard. What is, uh, what's something you think is underrated? Apparently, we've been severely underrating the money-making potential of movies for adults. Right. The Scorsese film did very well last week, and now it had an incredibly high budget, but it performed 
very well. And obviously, this is coming off the summer when the Oppenheimer movie, a biopic of freaking Robert Oppenheimer, made <laughs> nearly a, a billion dollars worldwide, made more than any of the recent Marvel movies has made. There is clearly, they have clearly created a void of demand for movies for grownups. And it's because it, once upon a time, the narrative was, well, it's just it's just Tom Cruise, the last movie star. He's the only one keeping it aloft. It's like, no, not really. The last right. Mission Impossible movie did not do well. Right. But there clearly are adults who want to go out to the theater with their families or and, and not watch the Mario Brothers movie. They want to see something for for grownups that, that looks good on a big screen. Uh, Some so adults want to see the Mario Brothers movie, okay? Uh, laugh Mario's Brothers yeah. movie. This Chris Pratt's awesome. a fucking genius, man. <laughs> <laughs> His uh, voice how was does he fine. Do those, how does he do those voices? He just disappears <laughs> into every role. <laughs> hey, it's me, Mario. Oh, my God, Chris. I've done it again, you shapeshifter. Yeah, it's the Oppenheimer thing is worth, like, yeah, at the time it was part of this Barbenheimer, Boppenheimer phenomenon that, yeah, I feel like we rushed past the fact that a biopic of Robert Oppenheimer made almost a billion dollars. That's doesn't really make sense and doesn't cohere to any form of Hollywood logic, you know? That, right. Is it just, it's just because it's Nolan and when you have a filmmaker, but like has... When Stanley Kubrick was making movies, like people, people weren't rushing out to see them, like, like it was a blockbuster, you know. Like it, this, this feels like it's a new phenomenon that we haven't really seen. Like a director who anything he puts out is just like that's going to make a billion dollars, and it can be like a dry ass, you know, look at. And not, not that this was like a dry, boring movie, but it's, it's pretty remarkable. And very adult of us, and I must compliment <laughs> we the the movie going public. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. And we're back. And Raph, first, first of all, uh, I, I listened to, I think it was the most recent episode of Beyond the Pale. It was the most recent episode that was on uh, SoundCloud where you were talking about your experience, you know, at, like we referenced earlier, you know, protesting at Schumer's house, getting arrested, that there was a story from the bus, the NYPD. <laughs> put you guys on the bus after and there's a story about a Werther's original and about a (laughs) a wedding song yeah that that just like kind of warmed my heart and gave me something to warm my heart in a place that I wasn't expecting necessarily (laughs) to have my heart warmed Can, can you talk about those two stories yeah um so we were in front of Chuck Schumer's house to push him to back the ceasefire legislation that's coming out that already has come out since then by Cory Bush and Rashida Tlaib and others. And he's used to people in front of his house and he also heard, heard about it. So the police were ready. So what we had to do is block the streets in Grand Army Plaza, which is a big plaza. That's like a major artery in Brooklyn uh, where he lives. And that's where we were arrested. I think over 53 of us or so. Yeah, And of course we were put in these, buses nypd likes to commandeer mta buses uh, when they have a mass arrest and and that's what they did here and they were basically pulling us into the bus blocking the traffic and it's brooklyn so half the people we blocked the traffic for were like cheering us and recording and putting it on social media so we we were going into the bus and i realized (laughs) i sit down cuffed in this bus and hey everyone because police here pretty much are obsessed with arresting people for jumping fares, not paying fares. And everyone just started singing a song, like like just calling them out for all, like not only commandeering a bus for free, but all of them just walking in for free, which is, they actually, yeah. There was a story where we were arrested with two elected officials in the state, uh, and one of them was Zoran 
and uh, he Zoran Mandani, and he was with me and a friend and this woman, an older woman, uh, amazing, adorable <laughs> activist. Her name is we call her Roz, but her name is Rosalind Pacheski. And she's a very like long time and very involved member of Jewish Voice for Peace, JVP, which was part of that coalition of left Jewish people and activists that were confronting. It was like 2000 people came out to confront Schumer on this. And they bring her into the bus (laughs) and she sits down and you imagine like maybe a five foot tall, like sweet grandma (laughs) and she's walking in and sits down, her hands are behind her back. And what we realize is that she's not really cuffed. Like she somehow avoided getting cuffed, which is... Pro move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah put your hands pro. behind your back immediately <laughs> and they'll assume that you've been yeah. cuffed. <laughs> you got zip ties on her? Yep, yep, yep. I don't know I the guess. story of like why she was cuffed or why yeah. she, maybe someone felt bad for her and they didn't cover her. I don't know. But the, the, the thing is she's like, has her hands behind her back and everyone thinks she's cuffed. And there's this, and Zoran, Zoran's Muslim and one of the few or only actually Muslim uh, elected in that, in that state assembly. He's just like, you know, sitting there, we're all like in pain with these cuffs. And he just does the most Jewish motherly kind of amazing thing, which is you just see her hand, you see him and her kind of look and wait till the cops are looking the other way. And then her hand slips out from her back, goes into a bag and takes out a candy which I immediately realized is a Werther's original. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, yes. And, and Zoran, without a word, turns around, opens his mouth, and she feeds him this candy and <laughs> makes her hand back in behind her like she's a uh, cuff. And it just was the most amazing thing. And for someone like me who often has a camera on him, yeah. it was really, so I'm telling, I'm going to, I'm reaching Molly Crabapple with the story she's like i think you all know about her she's this amazing illustrator and i want to have this illustrated because to me that it was this magical moment and i know and while i'm experiencing that moment i mean werther's original like were there their commercials like this like didn't we grow up with werther's original commercials like this not like in a, a bus getting arrested but... <laughs> right when people are protesting it would have been way more lit yeah, with it was. war crimes <laughs> yeah. and they're like hey yeah you know what's going but it was yeah. like typically like an older elder someone yeah an elder it. showing love yeah that, yeah that is yeah. and none of us were ever excited by werther's original life. no but like in that situation <laughs> hell yeah like the brand is strong <laughs> i didn't even know it's still around but i could use one right now but yeah, I don't know, like, yeah, so that that's like the story, that's like the what's, there's so many stories of Roz wherever you go with her, she's a, a powerful figure that brings a lot of history with her. She was like a CUNY professor and reproductive rights scholar back in the day when, like, no one was that. <laughs> yeah, she's incredible. And then there was this other, I think uh, the other story you're referring to is while I'm like, while we're kind of like looking down and we were like shaking the bus. We were like giving the cops a really hard time. And um, during that moment, one of my, someone at Jews for Racial and Economic Justice, uh, their new political director, she came on the bus. And I, I guess enough of us knew Alicia actually got married that day, earlier that day. That day. And that day, Alicia was had her, her marriage. <laughs> wow. And decided that her honeymoon was going to be getting arrested with us. Yeah. And uh, so people just started stomping and singing and it's a bus full of Jews. So it was like the Jewish wedding song. 
Yeah. It was like yeah. on, everyone's like stamp something. Yeah. It was so beautiful. That's so dope. Even I even caught a cop like put his hand on his heart and just be like, oh, <laughs> like, I was like, wait, are you pretending? Right. <laughs> but, right. But... <laughs> He's like, do y'all need some chairs for the horror? <laughs> yeah. Like what? <laughs> Take these cuffs? Like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been to, he, it looked like he'd been to a Jewish wedding and, um, you know, those are just like the two beautiful things that happen in this kind of movement space where where people come out for real shit and still we find like joy and like oh, yeah. friendship and stuff and these things and those long conversations we have in jail cells and sitting on a jail cell and seeing the carvings of like act up uh, uh, etched on the thing and, and, and one day, 20 years from now, someone else sitting there seeing the etchings of BLM on the chairs and just getting that that yeah. energy from from this long arc you know yeah i don't know it, that story and just generally the movement that you're involved in is such a beautiful testament to the jewish faith that like i don't know so so many people at this time of terror are willing to like advocate for justice and it reflects like a clarity and a humanism that is uncommon in the religions I grew up around, you know, like a Baptist in the, in the South or like Catholicism yeah. or, you know, but I've always, I've always admired the Jewish faith and, you know, feel like this is a time when, yeah, pe- people like the things that are getting talked about are this violent Zionism or, Mm. anti-semitism it's like yeah yeah no like what what about these stories you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah but you were also there for a story that came up on the show in dc the action on the rotunda and the question that we were asking on this show is where the fuck was the fbi man like (laughs) more evidence (laughs) that the deep state has a massive left-wing bias. Oh, yeah. Am I right? I mean, this? there was, yeah. yeah, like Marjorie Taylor Greene said, this is an insurrection with that, <laughs> with that same energy, which was really <laughs> baffling to see when truly we're seeing yeah. people come together to advocate there's, for peace. But there's again, this Fox clip that I actually send you, and it's, it's them like wondering how we got in and how we did it. And then the, the Fox journalist actually who was on the ground was kind of like honest and he was just like oh they got in by just going through the metal detector and saying that they're coming to practice free speech and that's our free speech laws yeah. <laughs> like they were trying to like make it into this big thing like right people looked away and so did antifa did open the doors for them <laughs> yeah, to exactly. enter? Right. yeah yeah exactly but it was just like anyone can go into the rotunda and meet their their yeah. Congress members and talk. You know, you could literally talk to their staff. If you pass by AOCs, you see a bunch of post-its on the wall. Like she's like the yeah. rock star in Congress. So all these post-its like showing their adoration and support of AOC. And it's kind of it's kind of cool. But just like so so what's the difference between that and what happened on January 6th? Like that's what I was like <laughs> yeah. oh just because you guys weren't ripping things off the wall and chanting that you wanted to hang hang the vice president that's that's why you're allowed in. That's well, fucked the rotunda, up, bro. yeah, the rotunda is the pub, it's the it's basically the public door for yeah. the public. It's uh, Come on. You know, we're <laughs> right. 
How'd you get this cheat code that you weren't supposed to rip things off the wall and threaten to kill the Inside sitting job. vice Inside president? But it was, it was that there was two actions in DC. One was led by if not now. Um, and that was sealing all the entrances and exits to the White House, which the Secret Service arrested people for. And then this event uh, a couple of days later for the for Congress, and that was to really just take over the rotunda. And And what happened was there was 10,000 people outside supporting us, 500 went in, and together uh, that was the largest uh, Jewish action for Palestinians uh, in history, anywhere in the world. Wow. Yeah. Can you describe what what if not now is just for anybody who doesn't know? Oh, so so there's two groups really largely at play here. One is if not now, and if not now, so J. I'll start with JVP, Jewish Voice for Peace, because it's older. It's like three decades old, and it started, of course, with in solidarity with Palestinians. So it's very much like their orientation is like go to the front line of who's being affected by the occupation and apartheid. And let them lead, and we be their Jewish allies, their comrades, you know, and that's a beautiful model. And then, if not now, took it another level, not in competition or anything, but like that identifying that there's also something in our culture and how we were raised that needs to be addressed, and that we need to unlearn the things that we were raised with throughout our lives. And so it's very much inward, and it's very much more youth oriented, at least initially, and then also really specifically about ending American Jewish support for for apartheid and occupation. Mm. And like yeah. I and I've seen so many wild like I've seen people call Jewish Voices for Peace like a terrorist group. Like some really <laughs> awful shit. It's and like, wild. Or like and I and Raf, since I've known you and like you've come on the show, like we've had a lot of conversations where your work in, you know, standing up and or being in solidarity with the people of Palestine has opened you up to all kinds of attacks like that people would accuse you of being like self of self-hatred and things like that. I'm really yeah. curious, especially for you who's so involved in this and is looking at it through the perspective you are like what that's been like to watch watch these things unfold the last few weeks and begin to see these rifts open up in really, really dramatic ways. And, and you know, like the, what that process is to, to sort of look on and say, like, so, like some of us are here, others are completely there. Yeah. How do, like, what, how do we make sense of it? Huh, that's such a good question. And there's still so many open sure. things that we're learning. Like right now, there is a, if you saw the statistics, there is a huge difference depending on your age and like where you fall on this issue either as an american of any faith or no faith or as a jew but i think if not now and jvp had like shift the paradigm and made it safer for a lot of people to be able to say like why am i being called anti-semitic if these jews are also believe what 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 i believe and then also we do that too like we say why are we called self-hating jews if Israel's largest human rights organization calls it apartheid, and right. there's a whole society called Breaking the Silence who who are veterans in Israel who oppose the occupation. Many of them had even refused to serve and spent jail time uh, refusing to serve, and, and it, it continues today. And these are like teenagers and like early or early twenty year olds. So there's all this kind of layers upon layers of 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 people seeking safety through validation. And it's kind of sad because uh, what results for Palestinians is 
that I, I think you've probably seen all these super clips online, and that is when Palestinians are brought on to news shows, they're not asked about if their family's okay, yeah. who they lost, what they fear. They're asked if they support terrorism. Do you condemn they ask if right. Yeah, exactly. And it's really, and then some of the Palestinian uh, guests and experts and journalists would say, oh, by the way, uh, my uncle died and my niece is missing and X, Y, Z. Thanks for asking. You know what I mean? And right. they would just go, they would just pivot back to Hamas, 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 which is really, it, it's, it, it's really, I can't imagine what that feels like to have to be, to, to not only have to disavow things. Like I, I posted a meme the other day, it was an asteroid that was coming to Earth to destroy it. And I wrote, yeah, but do Palestinians support it? You know, like right, it's right. just like becoming this thing where it's just gross. And, and also when they do speak about anything with Israel and Palestine, a Palestinian has to be like a PhD in European anti-Semitism in order not to say something that's triggering and this. And I understand those triggers, but also there's almost zero grace for Palestinians to just even mourn or speak for their own security. Yeah. Yeah, we got this article in the LA Times over the weekend about how the left has really let us down. I mean, they, we've gotten this article over and over again. It's like, um, yeah, it's millennials are killing X industry. Is the right. left is really there? <laughs> this week, it's this thing. And like, they're going to be able to find anti-Semitism on the left because oh, yeah. there's anti-Semitism everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, anti-Semitism is a is a huge problem. But in this yeah. context, as you're as you're there involved in in this struggle for peace you it seems like you've seen something quite different from yeah. like anti-semitism being on the ground yeah. for these protests and these actions yeah. we like to say peace and justice right like peace yeah because like a lot of people there, right? yeah a lot of people define peace and i think peace is the right word but a lot of people have redefined peace to mean quiet and uh mm. like you know there's no there's no there's no rally, as I can tell, for Black Lives Matter right now on the street that's very large right now. But that doesn't mean there's there's peace, right? There's still those things are still happening every day. So I guess I like to remind folks to to also say justice part because peace in Gaza is four hours of electricity a day, calorie counting by Israel to not allow too much food in, water limitations, a blockade around every wall, no travel restrictions. It's just uh, open air prison. And a lot of people define the day before that horrendous attack by Hamas on civilians. A lot of people define that as that day before that as peace. And uh, yeah, Uh, anti-Semitism. Yeah. Another thing is like, it's very easy to kind of assume anti-Semitism is like in the water, in the air. And it's really, it's, it's something that's manufactured by the right. And it was created by the right in Europe in order to remove, to, to create like a middle manager, like to create. So at the core of racism is this like supremacy, ethnic supremacy. And, and for example, the idea that someone exists like Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela or something exists like black culture defining global culture for decades and decades, 
all of these amazing accomplishments, all the inventions, all the things, all the scientific breakthroughs that any Black person does negates the idea of white supremacy. So a useful tool to undo that is the idea of this mystical Jewish person. This Jewish person, be it Soros or whoever, is behind the success of Black people. It's behind the migrant, you know, like uh, the, the idea that America is this immigrate a beacon to, for immigration and and all these things. And so it's it's a really useful tool to a redirect like financial uh, pain and suffering from capitalism to a group of people, and also to protect the idea of the myth of white supremacy. Yeah, and I guess like what I'm seeing on the streets, to your question, finally, what I'm seeing on the streets, I do see occasionally anti-Semitic thing. I will see that. And sometimes, most of the time, I'll call the person in and be like, hey, like, they'll be like, the Jewish state. This is like what the Jewish state does. And then I'll be like, well, do you mean the Israeli state? Yeah, Or do you mean the Jewish state? And then they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. But had they said that in front of a New York Post reporter, that would be on the front page and would be used to define DSA, would be used to define anything and uh, and and try to destroy the left. And, and what I saw in Israel, there is a, a Arab town, uh, I forget the name right now, there's an Arab town that after the attacks welcomed Jewish refugees. And the, the history... In the, of that Arab town was it was one of, it was the site of the most horrific massacre by Jews of Palestinians of Arabs in that town and they still are opening their doors to the families affected by that attack by Hamas. You know, you're seeing these things on the street and you're you're basically going to find what you're looking for. Right. And the question is, what are you amplifying and what are you using to define an entire thing with? Yeah, because I've seen how useful that sort of the left is anti-Semitic like that, how that take has been used by like establishment Democrats and shit to completely try and take the wind out of the sails or question the validity of people pointing out the 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 ills of Palestinian people living under occupation and then just being able to sort of use this like thought killing cliche to be like, well, they're all anti-Semitic. So let's t- now back to our person yeah. on the ground from the IDF that is going to tell <laughs> yeah. us exactly what's happening now. Right. And yeah, like I, I I see how like in a way, like for establishment politics too, like this has been used to be like, oh, we can also sort of knee try and kneecap a movement as well by bringing it into this, you know, a very skewed perspective that they want to show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also yeah. what I saw the difference in in our protests, the Jewish ones, the police were like there and they 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 threw a lot of people around and did this stuff. But when I went to the Palestinian youth protest in front of the Israeli embassy in DC on, on that Friday night, it was riot gear. It was ca- cars parked in ways. There was also this guy, infamous cop, I forget his name, but he's known to have killed a BLM protester and he's just walking around. Like it, it, it was so different. And these were to kids. Right. And, and it was, it was wild that these kids in this little residential neighborhood that of this very secure Israeli embassy were met with riot cops versus us in the heart of the power of the United States in the most sensitive part of the world. And we were just, you know, singing into a bus, you know? Right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break and, and we'll come back. We'll keep talking about this. We'll be right back. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. And we're back and we're just going to get right down to right down to it. Five Night Freddy's uh, video game movie mm-hmm. that I did not was not aware of that I had a sense based on the poster it was something it was a movie based on something based on video game. And <laughs> it's like spooky. Chucky. E. Did Chief. you guys? Yeah. yeah. Which is I, I'm bummed that the movie sucks because it yeah. would. Chuck could really use the good PR right now. Yeah. There did either of you play it? I never played it, but I remember that was the first video game I ever saw like playthrough YouTube yes. videos for. Okay. I've I never played it, but when we were both working at Playboy Jamie when I was mm-hmm. doing video there, there was like a video series with two playmates that are gamers. 
And I remember I had to like produce a shoot with that. And I was like, what the fuck? And it, I was like, oh, this game is fucking freaky. Uh, but I'm not into <laughs> horror as a like a genre, but I have seen it played. And like at the time, this was like the biggest shit. Like I, I think it came out in 2014. Yeah. But yeah, it's like a, you know, huge, huge like indie game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I, I didn't even realize it was an indie game because of how like, yeah, that was the first time I had ever like encountered that as a thing that happened and thought it was isolated. And then, you know, obviously I've never stopped seeing it. But it's I, I mean, haunted animatronics, a great idea. Oh, and yeah. the guy who invented the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics, very racist. Like, don't don't fuck with this guy. <laughs> however, however, <laughs> there he uh, at least up as as recently as a couple of years ago, still had this warehouse in Florida where uh, the animatronics were once made and was really trying to capitalize on the success of Five Night Freddy. And yeah. because he basically lived in, a, you know, like haunted animatronics palace. <laughs> right. So he started like selling the like Five Night Freddy birthday party experience with his like scary old animatronics. Oh. And it seemed to be somewhat successful. Yeah, that makes at sense. Some point. I mean, like the real, you know. the diehard fans, like they fuck, I mean, it's, there's a reason why it became a Blumhouse film. It's because yeah. they definitely, yeah. like, there's an audience. There's an absolute yeah. audience for it. So producer Victor yeah. is noting that there are multiple three hour lore documentaries about Five Night, Five Nights yeah. at Freddy. Five Night Freddy? Five yeah. Night Freddy. What could that possibly mean? That's <laughs> that's so interesting. Well, that's like yeah. a big thing that like as the reviews come in, like there's a whole debate where some people are like, it's not really for casuals, man. Like if you don't fuck like or some people are like, there's not enough lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is wild. Like I'm and I'm like, it's interesting following the reaction because like anything when you have a huge like when a fandom gets to that point where now like a Blumhouse or major studios are like, yeah, let's see if we can make money off of this. It's always yeah. interesting to see how, like, inevitably the fans will be disappointed. I think it's just generally what's always going to happen. Like, it's there's only a few instances where you have something with, like, a huge mega following. Take that next jump to, like, major film distribution and it be, you know, palatable. I was kind of, uh, I, I was positive, because I, I didn't see, I, I kind of forgot it was coming out until I it, they showed the trailer at Saw X. And uh, I was like, Damn, they got Hutcherson, and my friend was like, "I don't think that's hard to do." And, and like, wait, oh. what did you just say? <laughs> yeah, damn, they yeah, got Josh Hutcherson. Hutcherson's like, what? Like in the seat in front of you? Are you so, yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah, you need something. I I did see Josh Hutcherson getting into a very quiet argument with his girlfriend in front of a restaurant near my house once. So it is like not that hard to yeah. to get Hutcherson, <laughs> but but I was like. I don't know. Maybe I just like went 2012 brain for a second. Where like I'm like, damn, they got Hutcherson. Five yeah. Night Freddy is huge. Yeah, it's bigger than Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something about the minds of people who are like scared of animatronics, I guess, or like into. I don't know because the the writer of the original indie game also like a right wing person. God, what is it with animatronics and being a piece of shit? I, I think because they're like techno slaves or some shit probably mm. you know oh I mean? yeah it's like i make them do what i say and i can make you in my image like i don't know it's probably some weird god complex yeah yeah I can on some see level that. but hey i would love to see where are the where are the woke animatronic <laughs> studios at? right i mean there's certainly woke animatronic fans but i <laughs> right you know. right 
but we're not technically minded, unfortunately. Right, 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 right. You're just there for the commentary. Mm-hmm. We are topping out for Five Nights at Freddy's. We are topping out uh, on Metacritic. So the overall oh. Metacritic score is 29, an average of 29. Oh. And we're topping nice. out. Usually, usually you will get like one or two that's like, hey, I actually enjoyed this because I was like, my meds are dialed in or something, you know, like, so like I, sometimes <laughs> I just enjoy the hell out of a, like one of my favorite film going experience was Die Hard 4 for no reason other than I was just in a good, good mood right. that day. Good place in your life. Yeah. Good place yeah. in my life. Loved mm-hmm. that movie the first time I saw it. And then I watched it again. I was like, oh, this yeah. is bad. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but like this is at, we're topping out at two out of five stars. Uh, most of them are lower than that. The average and this like not all reviews are in, but it's. It seems pretty dismal, and everyone's saying it's boring. Which yeah, it's not and boring. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even like the fans, like there's a guy who would like stream it on YouTube, like this guy Jack Septic guy. Like his review is like it is not great, <laughs> sort of like the <laughs> nice version, and yeah. and a lot of people are like you made a lot of Five Nights at Freddy content. But again, I think that's where like you see a lot of you know other other fans come in and be like it's just. It, it, People aren't going to understand it. It's not for normies. <laughs> but then this guy who like plays the game a ton is like, just felt rushed in some spots, other parts. It just uh, was very normal. Like, did not feel like as you know original as like the game, the original idea is itself. So you, you know, see the trailer, you're like, oh, they got Hutcherson, but they, <laughs> they got a Hutcherson. But they like now I'm kind of embarrassed because Hutcherson knows like what I'm into, and like they did such a bad job with the lore that right. now. Like, I'm like, they shouldn't have done this to Hutcherson or us and or was, Matthew and Lillard, you know, Matthew, they got they got Lillard. That they got was Lillard. Thing. I mean, yeah. Mary Stewart Masterson, you yes. know, kind of a star studded cast. I, I was really impressed with the cast. I oh, love yeah. that they got Lillard. I feel like Lillard played the game. That's my guess is that Lillard was into it. Hutcherson, we don't I don't know of his nah. hobbies. I don't yeah, know. Nah. His I, agents were like, hey, man, you're going to have to say yes to this. <laughs> we got bad news. <laughs> you yeah. have to be the lead in Five Night Freddy. You're Five I, Night Freddy. Cause, <laughs> you're, you're Five you're Night Freddy. Freddy. You're Freddy. <laughs> you're knife, yeah, you're Knife Freddy because nobody was fucking with Journey <laughs> to the Center of the Earth too. Oh, oh God, he was in that. Yeah. Uh, it's a bummer that we would eat at the same ramen place. It's like when I saw Taylor Lautner at a bar I go to and you're just like, this is this sucks. Recently? It was like five years ago. So I think that. Uh, Well, yeah, but I mean, like post like super high twilight peak. Yeah. 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 And it was like a place where you get like, you know, three dollar backwash. I'm like, why the hell is Taylor Lautner here drinking three dollar backwash with the plebs? Was he doing that thing where he had his back to the bar looking out at the bar? (laughs) He was holding court. He was holding court. It was really cool. Like he bought rounds. He he was holding court. He had oh, yeah. no issue with you knowing he was drinking backwash at the bar, which is cool. That's a cool quality. He was with, I think, his girlfriend now, his wife, also named Taylor. That's not very cool. I don't think. <laughs> right, Wait, right, right. he married a Taylor? Yeah. Yeah. Now wow. they're the Taylor's Lautner. They're both Taylor Lautner. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Should we talk about the Britney Spears memoir? Oh, the audiobook. Have you the guys Michelle listened? Williams? Yeah. I have. Slowly, no. I've just slowly seen some like excerpts get sort of elevated to the top. But obviously, I think the big one with the release of the 
audiobook was everyone sharing the clip of Michelle what Michelle Williams doing an impression of Justin Timberlake doing a black scent. Yeah. It's what? It's a lot. Have you yes. not heard it? No. Jamie, for someone who is so online, I'm like, Jamie, this is old hat for Jamie. I'm sure. Okay. So I was I was trying to I was like, let's see how long I because I was like, I want to read it. And I also was waiting for an episode of Chelsea Devontes' podcast about it. I was like, and then I'll engage. Oh, but yeah. Wait, so, so tell we'll me. Just, one excerpt, you know, like this is one loose line that's like blowing up where she's first of all, like Britney Spears is talking about why she was fucking with NSYNC over Backstreet Boys. She's like NSYNC, like they listen to hip hop, like they seem more oriented towards that kind of culture where the Backstreet Boys felt very white. Mm. I'm just going to we'll just play this clip really quick because when they're it's, all white guys from Florida. And like, yeah. And like, what is that? Like, and let's by not the forget same guy. Let's not forget Chris with his techno dreads either. Oh, my. God. Uh, but hey. <laughs> Let's focus on Chip Justin here. Skylark himself. <laughs> but yeah, this is a this is one of the excerpts here. Just talking about this time where he met another famous R&B musician. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other thing, like a lot of people are pointing out, like this seems Michelle Williams is a five time Academy Award nominee. People are like, why is she doing this? And then they're listening and they're like, oh, she's the best that has ever done this before. She's right. killing it. She's doing a great job. So, yeah, we, this is a little sample of that, and it's an anecdote that a lot of it's caught a lot of people's attention. Mm. His band in sync was what people back then called So Pimp. They were white <laughs> boys, but they loved hip-hop. No, to me, that's no. what separated them from the Backstreet Boys, who seemed very consciously to position themselves as a white group. NSYNC hung out with black artists. Sometimes I thought they tried too hard to fit in. One day, Jay and I were in New York, going to parts of town I'd never been to before. Walking our way was a guy with a huge, blinged-out medallion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said so loud, Oh yeah, foshes, foshes, genuine, what's up, homie? After genuine walked away, Felicia did an impression of Jay. Oh yeah, foshes, foshes, genuine. Jay wasn't even embarrassed. (laughs) Wow. I like the, there's like a yada yada pass that I'm sure they had an interaction, but it kind of suggests that Genuine just, he did that and Genuine just walked away. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, oh my God. What the fuck is that? (laughs) The abrupt switch after the, like the audio book pause before Genuine walked away. Like you're just like, oh my <laughs> <Right>. god. <laughs> After Genuine walked away. She's a professional. Yeah. She's good. a professional. That alarming. I'm I'm looking forward to uh to reading that book or li- probably more likely listening to it. Celebrity memoirs are meant to be listened to. Especially, Especially oh yeah, cuz I I'm yeah. pretty sure what Britney Spears personally was like I need, I want Michelle Williams to narrate this. Like this is yeah. why this is happening. So very weird. Very weird. How do they know each other? Dialed in so well though. <laughs> like yeah. what what better person to lend your voice uh, or to have their like lend, have them lend their voice than have Michelle Williams do the Britney Spears book. So but good. Wow. Maybe she'll get the EGOT. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she will. This is her Grammy. Yeah. Yeah. God. Beautiful. There's, I mean, there's all sorts of the. There's also the story that Britney Spears almost got. What, what was the famous role that she almost? Oh, the Notebook. The Notebook. Yeah. She almost was cast in the Notebook. She was like, like in the really? final three. Yeah. It was yeah. between. No, it was. She was in the final oh, two. two? It was between oh. her and Rachel McAdams, and like they, 
like Scarlett Johansson, all these other people had tried out and they were like, Britney Spears is like fucking nailing this. She's like absolutely like an amazing actor. Oh, wow. There's like her audition tape is available. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. I think they camera tested with, with Ryan too. Yeah. That's, I always want, I mean, I know that there were a number of, of extenuating circumstances in Britney's life that, uh, but I was, her, her movie career was like a non-starter. And up until recently, you couldn't even get Crossroads. Like you couldn't even stream it until recently, even though that was like an early Shonda Rhimes script. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was like one. I I I think it was like Shonda Rhimes. One of Shonda Rhimes' like first produced scripts ever was the Britney Spears vehicle Crossroads, and she's so good in it, and she's so charming, and like she's a good actor. And it's like there, it worked out for Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore kind of dropped music and started This Is Us singer. I don't, yeah. I still don't know what that show is about, but damn, she would have been cool in the Notebook. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. what Shonda Rhimes also did she, didn't she do Princess Diaries too? That was like another super yeah. early one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that Shonda, was, Shonda that was after Crossroads. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, pre Crossroads, and if I'm recalling, I <laughs> I know I I know too much of Shonda's uh, filmography. Oeuvre. I think it's just shy of it's like the year before Grey's Anatomy. Oof. She did Princess Ra- Diaries to Royal Engagement. Yep, sure enough, it is yeah. true. It is true. But I'm like, what is Shonda's relationship with Britney? Is there one? Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Right. What could have been, you know? Truly. Yeah. If she was Meredith Grey. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. But then it's like we would have been, I mean, and again, this is like not even taking into account what happens later in Britney's career. But like we would have we we would have uh, not gotten some really solid Britney albums if she if she had um gone yeah, yeah, too far yeah, into yeah. acting so so when, yeah when she talks about it she's like i you know at a certain point i decided to stop auditioning and just record just drop classic albums on you all instead <laughs> like if, if yeah if we got because if we got like if if we got britney in the notebook we may not have gotten blackout and that <laughs> would have right. been challenging Right. For, for me as a youth, that would have been... For American culture. That would have been pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. You think America's bad right now? You think America's bad right now? Uh, try, <laughs> try and picture this counterfactual. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and also, she has a quote, like, in one of the articles I read about the notebook thing, that she was like, it was just mentally too difficult. Like, I... I just embodied the character and like trying out for that character like got to me so like she was almost like too method for to to like actually pursue acting because it was just like too painful for her god i love that woman. which sounds like a great actor like yeah let's let's make it happen yeah let's it's funny that. too like because justin timberlake does not come out looking good in this too like she talks about how like she became pregnant like with his child and then mm-hmm. you know had to have an abortion and things like that and then like now it's funny to see the pr machine move in justin's direction and they're like justin timberlake is fine he's actually just focusing on being with his family like amid the noise mm. amid <laughs> the no- like, when it's also noise. like pretty well documented that his family does not like him right so <laughs> Cool. I hope, yeah, I'm sure exactly. they're really enjoying spending time with you on this, your 50th cancellation. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to think of, you know, like because of SAG rules, I'm like, I have to think of like a Halloween costume I can wear. And I have right. a lot of, I can, I can pretty close to replicate the Justin Timberlake 
denim outfit. And so I'm trying to put something together, like recently disgraced denim boyfriend. Oh, but, yeah. I, but it's getting the hat together because then I, you know, and, and then I was just going to put, you know, tear streaks, some snot, shit like that. Recently disgraced denim boyfriend. That's a, that's that's a really free good. one for everybody. <laughs> that's so good. You got to get those gradiated, like those gradient shades too. Oh my God! Yeah, the, like the the yellow, uh, the 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 freaky uh, late nineties blue blockers. Everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, it's so wild. Like that that outfit. There's like how there's like tutorials on how to make the disgraced denim boyfriend outfit. Like it's like Is how there? to make your denim Britney and Justin outfit. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, what a time! What a time! I mean, what a time. great, great, horrible man. Great outfits, Britney. Ah. Yeah. Queen. God bless her. She's the best. Keep on, keep on dancing with those knives, girl. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. All right. That's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, it means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye. something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get, but with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.